And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hello there. And Matt has a new Twitter Twitter uh, handle, so we're gonna we, we this this obviously requires some explanation a little further on down the show. You're at Horizon Matt now, correct? Yes, I am. You know, so I, I guess in one way, I'm 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 happy that you've embraced the whole Horizon Roundtable co-hosting thing. At the same time, I'm a little concerned, but again, we'll get into that a little later. But we'll tie it um, in. Yeah, absolutely. At Horizon Matt now, so yeah, great. So everywhere I have Grizz Talk OU, I got to change it now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> sorry, not sorryish. I have this feeling, but one thing that has not changed is the twitter account for the horizon roundtable which always you can find at horizon rt so man you know what and i was very well i don't want to say i was very confused up until saturday because we're actually recording this on sunday super bowl sunday because there's a couple games that are going on that may affect may or may not affect this but before saturday's games Detroit Mercy notwithstanding, Detroit Mercy just didn't want to conform. Rat bastards. <laughs> Teams three through seven were five and five. Yep. So it was Milwaukee, Green Bay, Youngstown State, UIC, and Cleveland State. All of them were five and five. Freaking miracle. That's a party waiting to happen. That's a... That's that's probably the most boring. I mean, they're all five and five, so it's got to be you know. I mean, the reality is that it confirms exactly what many of us have been saying for weeks, months, all that, which is this league's not very good. We're just going to kind of beat each other up for a long time. It it really just confirms that we were right. This league's not very good, and we're just going to kind of all split with each other back and forth which a whole is, lot. Except, but again, except this is, but again, this was interesting because again. This is this is a this is not a new phenomenon because this is exactly what happened last year. Not exactly what happened last year. We didn't have a point in time where five where five teams were five and five. I mean, we didn't get to that level of freaking craziness. But still, I mean, it it seemed like the, the those middle teams were really kind of just jammed in there, and well, we did get finally we get, did get a little bit of a breakup on Saturday because. UIC UIC beat Cleveland State and Youngstown State beat IUPUI. Youngstown State beat IUPUI and didn't need to do it on the last second shot. What a day! What a yeah! What a day at the house of heart attacks because the UIC Youngstown State UIC game, of course, had to go to overtime because of, of course, course it did. did. Well, why wouldn't it? And UIC was a whisker away from being uh, UIC and Cleveland State was a was about a, was a whisker away from being opposite what it is now. Cleveland State could very well be six and five in a statement. I don't think I'd ever I'd ever thought I'd say, <laughs> at least not since July. But they they continue to surprise me. They're doing great. And, I mean, we've talked about them quite a bit. It's it's great coaching. You you got to give that credit. Anytime. That is true. So I mean. Yeah, if not for yeah, they just could not hit a free throw to save their lives last night. It was just it, they well yesterday afternoon they could not hit a free throw to save their lives. It was so bad. 
I mean, seriously, it was near the end. Basically, anybody who could miss a free throw, free throw missed a free throw, including, unfortunately, and then yeah, right at the end, Trago Million, who has actually won Cleveland State a couple of games in the last at the last second, had two shots for to hit free throws, missed them both, and then goes down the field, uh, goes down the court, and 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 fouls UIC, and they get the two free throws and they win. I can't really bang on Trago Million too much. Again, like I said, he's won Cleveland State a couple of games, so he kind of gets a pass for uh, not making it. It wasn't his entire – I mean, again, it wasn't, you know, all him. Everybody and their grandma – like I said, nobody can hit a free throw on uh, on Saturday. And I think if they would actually hit some free throws on Saturday, they probably would have been – this wouldn't even been – they wouldn't even been in a question who was going to win this game. Right, but th- that Cleveland again, that Cleveland State is in the situation that they're in to be able to win games is a miracle in and of itself. So, um, and, and you know, and, and again, the free throw thing is kind of strange because up until the UIC game, they had done infinitely better shooting at the foul line. I mean, they were they were pretty much they were pretty lights out. I mean, they were shooting 80, 80 90 percent plus from the free throw line the last the three games prior. So I don't know what to tell you, but yeah. well, so, uh, so on the flip side though, we have a situation with the USC and by the way, a programming note, um, Mark Forden, who is the, who has a new website out there called numbers. Don't lie. Um, we're going to actually have him on next week. Cause he, uh, he, his website is all about, is all about all things, Chicago, you know, the Chicago music scene, specifically the Chicago sports scene. And we are definitely going to be talking to him about, um, about UIC in particular um, because of the fact that, you know, he actually, you know, UIC is kind of in his sphere of influence. So yeah, Mark Forden, uh, who is the founder of numbers don't lie. Let me go ahead and get the, uh, give you the, you can actually go to numbers don't lie 23.com. I mean, for obvious reasons, that's where he's at. Uh, but we'll definitely have Mark on next week. Um, I should mention also the week after we've been having this discussion. But anyway, twenty three. Um, see a big LeBron fan. Uh, he's in Chicago, dude. It's MJ. I'm kidding. It's always MJ. Dude. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It, it, it yeah. was. <laughs> so, um, but on the flip side, if you look at UIC and UIC inexplicable, UIC is. I don't want to say they pulled their fat out of the fire, and it seems like they. It's, this seems familiar to me because it seems like they did this last year too, where they completely underachieved for like most of the most of the for nearly all of the non-conference and the very beginning of the conference schedule. Seems like they did that, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden we're seeing the UIC we were supposed to see the whole, whole time. Cleveland, yeah, you know, I mean. And again, I mean, not, and I don't want, again, I don't want to discount the fact that Cleveland State is not, you know, Cleveland State is absolutely, you know, a surprise team. And I don't think, I, I don't want to discount their, you know, their performance. So, but yeah, if you look at UIC, they've won, um, and, you know, they, they, and it's all based on, I want to say, the, the right state win. I mean, the fact that they lost to Detroit Mercy now seems like an aberration, really. I mean, I mean they've won five of the last six. So, may, and I've alluded to this 
before, this whole possibility of the maybe, where maybe, maybe UIC gets it together enough that Steve McLean keeps his job. Now we're in the poss- now that they're six and five in the conference, now the maybe is starting to linger a little bit again. So I don't know. I mean, this is what USC did last year too. They they didn't they didn't play well. Then they kind of made a run. They ended up fifth and in, going into the tournament. They lost in the first round to Green Bay. That's I mean that's kind of been UIC. That's so, who they've been. And I want to so so with so with that said, I really want to. And again, the the Detroit Mercy thing. If not for if not for LeGrand buzzer beater, we're talking about UIC. We're talking about UIC rattling off six straight wins. If not for that, if not for, if not for LeGrand, if not for LeGrand's buzzer beater again at Detroit Mercy, if not for Trago Million missing a couple of free throws, you know, it, it, it actually, if it, we're, we're, it's a whole different story. It's, it's a weird thing because it's, it's been pretty convincing and luck has really been on UIC's side too. It looks like because again, I mean, not necessarily this this past weekend it has. Last weekend, obviously not with the Detroit Mercy buzzer beater. But I really think we we're really setting it up for this week where you have. I think that's good. this week is going to be the big test for them because you're going to have Milwaukee. You're go they're going to they're they're going to be at home. They're playing Milwaukee and they're playing Green Bay. So I think both of those games are going to be kind of the key for them. This, I think that's going to be the make or break moment in their, in their season. I think, I think they're going to split. I just can't tell you which way it with Milwaukee and green Bay. It's so hard to tell. You're absolutely, I mean, I don't want to say they're interchangeable Milwaukee and green Bay, but the way they've been playing, it really kind of seems like it. It seems unfair to their fans. They've got both sets have great fans. I I don't want to like talk down, but you're right. They're interchangeable. Like, eh, they're just kind of Wisconsin at this point to me. Like, yeah. I mean, their, their fortunes have risen and fallen in terms of the conference schedule. Their fortunes have risen and fallen at almost the exact same pace. And you, you, it's a head scratcher. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, um, yeah. I, I mean, and, and again, in Milwaukee, it's crazy because you know then we we actually also have to talk about the fact that we also have to talk about the fact that Loud Love got ejected the other day. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see it, so I I don't have I didn't a lot. Either. To I actually, check Knodel actually pointed it out to me. I don't know what I, I think it was. I think it was taking the dogs out or something because I actually did have the game on. I totally missed it because um, I was flipping between that and the. Uh, I, I was sincerely flipping between that and the. Uh, I was flipping between that and the Green Bay game, Northern Kentucky for Green Bay game. Both of those games, both of those teams, you know, Green Bay put a scare in the Northern Kentucky, but Northern Kentucky couldn't close the deal. Um. So they're going to have to work that out. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was As, a differently occupied on Friday. I'm sure you were. But yeah, so, but as for, yeah, but the Wright State Milwaukee game, Wright State had basically had that game pretty much in hand. And then 
Dude, yeah, I, I'm going to have to look at the replay on that one. But, yeah, uh, Loud and Love got hit with a flagrant two, and he was gone. I think, it was the I think it was the 857 mark. And then, yeah, and then Milwaukee went on a run. And they, they I mean, a run run. So, I guess my question is going to be, because um, that flagrant two can be reviewed by the league. Does, yeah. Is there any further re repercussions for him? Or is he just going to be done for that game and everyone moves on and they get their I way? No, are we? I, I have no, I, that's a good question. Um, and again, we're, we're recording on Sundays and Wright State is going to be playing Green Bay at uh, two o'clock, two Eastern, one, one central. And I'm not really sure if, yeah, I'm not really a hundred percent if that's going to be, that's going to have long standing repercussions. I guess we'll find out. By, <laughs> by the time you, by the time they listen to this, they'll have that answer and we'll look silly for even not knowing. Hey, I'm good with that. You know, Used to it. We, we, we've looked, for, we've looked sillier for worse. <laughs> I, just another day, right? Like we, We've looked sillier for worse. I'm not really, I'm not too concerned about that one. Um, I'm checking, I'm yeah, checking Love I mean, and Love's tweet, uh, Twitter right now. He's, I mean, he's just retweeted stuff for the game today. I, nothing. I mean, I didn't expect him to say he wasn't playing, but everything seems normal. So I'm going to assume he's playing. That's yeah. I mean, yeah, that's crazy that, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy that he got hit with a uh, hit with a flagrant too. So I mean, I, I like I said, I'm gonna have to re I'm gonna have to rewatch that game. Um, maybe before the Super Bowl or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, that seems like a thing that you probably could be. Yeah, that that it's weird that, but yeah, again, after he left, all of a sudden, Milwaukee got some Milwaukee got some life, and once that happened, you know. And and again, it you you saw this at the beginning of the season with Northern Kentucky, where against Green Bay, where Green Bay beats Northern Kentucky right at the outset, and they almost lost again. <laughs> they almost you know Green Bay almost beat them again. So it's not our. We've been saying this for a while. I mean, first of all, obviously. Obviously, Wright State has a two-game lead in the conference, but you know they're not gonna. I and like I said, I never said they were gonna. I, I it's impossible to be perfect in this league. They're nine and one, so obviously they're not either. Um, I still think they've got maybe a loss or two still in them. I don't know if it's this weekend, and if it is this weekend with uh, against Milwaukee, uh, um, I'll be greatly surprised. And if you're listening to this during the week, and Milwaukee does in fact beat Wright State, then I'll look even smarter. But you know, <laughs> I, which I can live with, obviously. Again, I'm yeah, used to it. Yeah, but we're used. To, yeah, we're used to it. We're we're used to making crazy predictions and it panning out. But yeah, but the bottom line with Wright State is that they're they've it does. I want to. I don't want to say. Does it really matter? Because they've got such a lead in the conference. I mean, anything can happen in this conference, and any everything has happened in this conference. But the way Wright State has played, Loud and Love, Flagrant Two, notwithstanding, it's really been. They've really been, kind of that team. Now, do they? You know, like I said, are they going to sustain it the whole time? 
Probably not. I mean, they're, they're going to have a couple. They may have one or two games where you don't understand what happened and they're going to lose, like they did against UIC, which incidentally, the UIC, get, on the flip side, UIC, good Lord, you know, that probably saved their season right there, beating UIC, because, you know, that that's that put them five out of they now since that time they've won an additional four games and they're back in the and they're back in the conversation in the middle and they're back in the middle of the pack and you know they they're you, you, there's still the matter of those top six seeds making the you know getting home games in the first you know the what is it the three through six seeds get the first round uh, home games right. Well, currently, but there might be a wrench in that. I don't know if we're going to get to that. I'm sure we're, oh, that's on we the docket here. Really get to that because that one is confusing because we'll talk about that a little later. We're talking there about the wrench in this whole thing. All of a sudden, yeah. we don't know what's going on. Um, but we'll talk about that a little later with Detroit Mercy because that one is that one. Uh, yeah, that that one's kind of a little bit of a. I don't know what's going on with that one, but yeah, but UIC still has. Well, even better, you know, they're they're still in the conversation. Now that they're six and five, to get that home game. Now I think I think as it stands right now, unless somehow, because again, there's such a it it doesn't seem like a chasm right now, but it's kind of a really wide gap. Two games is no bit. Two games is pretty hard to overcome. You got two games between Wright State and Northern Kentucky, and then you have two games between currently between Northern Kentucky and the Logjam. As yeah. of right now, it's UIC, who's six and five. But you can also have, as of today, you, know, you might have um, Green Bay go six and five. You might have Wright States, uh, Milwaukee six and five, which would actually kind of narrow the gap to one game because that will have meant that uh, Northern Kentucky lost. Does what it happen? Who knows? What we really need, Bob, is to start planning ahead and get one of our smart people like John or Kyle to start figuring out all the different tiebreakers and start plugging them in because this this whole this conference is going to end and we're going to need to figure out a bunch of tiebreakers to even know who's hosting these first. You times. know what? And I here's the thing though, and I I don't know if I'm sure you remember this. Like back in the day, I it wasn't last year. I recall last year they didn't do this, but last year. Uh, not last year, but in years past, the Horizon League has actually been really, really good on breaking down the tiebreaker scenarios. And then somehow, like last year, last couple years, they haven't done that. So we've been sitting here in the dark thinking, all right, what's going on? <laughs> well, we've been pretty good about staying a couple steps ahead of them. So let's just keep doing it. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, I just wanted to point it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. For those of you scoring at home, um, the Reach of the Horizon podcast just recently had uh, Jordan Burnfield on a uh, friend of our show who was on two weeks ago <laughs> on their podcast. So, yeah, I so I just wanted to point that out. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> and can hey, I, that I'm, looks familiar. I'm also I'm going to shout out uh, North Report because they much like I broke a story uh, last week. They broke a story. Um, that they were sitting on before anybody else could get the official word. So I, I like all these fan, you know, all the Horizon fans doing the dirty work and and, and showing why we do what we do. I, I, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, I'm loving Kyle, it. 
Yeah, Kyle Craven. Yeah, over at Norris Report. Um, obviously, yeah, he got the and for if you if you're miss if you yeah because he broke the story that Dantes Walton was going to play against uh, against Green Bay. Uh, he did play a little. He's still a little rusty, but he definitely did play. So uh, yeah, now that it, once Dantes Walton kind of gets back into the groove of things, uh, I'm gonna say watch out. Sometimes it takes. Sometimes really, it takes the player a couple games. I've I've seen it firsthand recently. It's true. You're absolutely right because that was the, the same thing happened. Um, the same thing happened with Cleveland State and Tory Patton and Jalen Hill. Both of them took a couple of games to kind of get on. You know, they were both hurt at the beginning of the season, and it took them forever to kind of you know get back to 100. percent So yeah, I mean, and look at UIC too because you know well, that Marcusati, you know, Marcusati was hurt, and he took. A Jordan Blunt took a while. He he was coming off of knee surgery for crying out loud, a knee injury. Sometimes it's not an injury. Sometimes it's a reinstatement of eligibility. Sometimes it's a reinstatement of eligibility, as is the case, as was the case uh, with with Oakland against Detroit Mercy. Um, yeah, uh, Rash- Rashad with the rivalry. Twelve and two. I'm sorry, but you know. Yeah, the, uh, we're at the point where the, the where the where what is oh the Metro series rivalry is about like the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. It's a rivalry, but it's like a rivalry sorta that you know there there there's a lot you know there's obviously some there's obviously some uh, some bitter feelings between the two fan the two fan bases, but in reality, there's only one team that's been dominant. It's the yeah. I mean, that's the only comparison I can make is Ohio State, Michigan. Absolutely. I mean, they you know Ohio State, Michigan fans can't stand each other, but Ohio State keeps winning the games. And do you know why? I mean, I live in Michigan. I'm not a Michigan football person, but I hear a lot of talk about it. And the thing that we keep hearing here in Michigan that I believe, and it's the same thing happening in this Oakland uh, Mercy series, is Ohio State cares more. It's more important to them, and they prepare all the time for Michigan. Everything's, you know, that's the most important thing to them. And for Oakland, and Campy has said it, that's the most important game. When the season ends, he starts texting his players how many days until the Mercy game. That's, it's that important to him. And I get it. And you know what? They, they, every game they play like that. Yeah. You would hope that they would play every other game like that, but they definitely play the Detroit Mercy games like that. And we all know that Oakland's having a bad season. I don't like to talk a ton about Oakland because they're at the bottom of this league right now. There's not, you know, there's no reason, but they did, we did have a rivalry game. Rashad Williams went up for 37 um, yeah. and they needed every point from it. I mean, he really did a nice job. Um, yeah. What was, what was really interesting um, and actually a, hopefully a positive for Oakland and, you know, a little bit of a silver lining is Trey Maddox uh, didn't play in the second half. Um, no one saw it that, you know, even Campy didn't catch it. Um, he, he went down with a concussion. Um, somewhere. Yeah, I didn't realize that too because because I, I saw that because I saw that on Twitter. It's like, yeah, Trey Maddox is in the stands in his street clothes. I'm like, did he get abducted by aliens? No, he's uh, I, as I understand it, he's what in the concussion protocol right now. Yeah, there was there was some legitimate concern, like because um, Carrick I didn't was realize going on the row. Did anybody even catch how he ended, how he got hurt though? That's that's insane. I was watching the game. Obviously, I didn't see it. Um, Campy didn't see it in the game, and and um, Carrick was um, tweeting me uh, from Media Row. He's like, uh, he's just like not out here. What's going on? Like, and then he's uh, Carrick had told me that uh, Trey had gotten chewed out right before the half for setting some bad screens or something about screens, 
And then I started getting messages that Trey was in street clothes and sitting with his parents. He wasn't even on the bench and blah, blah. I'm like, did he just like up and transfer mid game? What is going on here? But uh concussion protocol all seems well. Um, Trey has told me that he, he he's fine. So hopefully that continues and, you know, he passes through protocol, but you hate this. I mean, concussions are no joke, but for someone oh. that didn't take a, did, did, did not take division one offers for football to try to stay healthy. This is his second concussion. So you got to hope that that yeah. stops. But that's the silver probably, line. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And even, but again, as you mentioned, even without Trey Maddox, all of a sudden Rashad Williams, the, the Rashad Williams, I obviously I knew would show up eventually showed he, up. He not only showed up, he showed up with like 30 some friends and family. He's from Detroit. Obviously yep. he's so happy to be playing. I mean, obviously he played at Callahan twice a year or once a year anyway, but like, just being back and everything, he put on a show, and he had to. Um, the game was was well called, in my opinion, as far as even between both teams. But it was a very um, lot, lot of fouls called, so big men in trouble the entire game. Um, really what slow is, down. I have to you see that. Uh, yeah, um, we got to talk about that because this is the second time that I've seen an Oakland game, and it's been a freaking foul fest. <laughs> How does that keep happening? I think curious. some of it, I think some of it starts where you see Oakland size and you just assume that they're um, gonna be fit, big and physical, which they should be. I mean, Xavier Hill Mays, I'm you know never want to talk ill of him because he scares the hell out of me as a human. He's just such a big person. Um, so I think people see that and they just start kind of calling the foul. But there was two or there was three or four calls of flops um, to the point that people were getting texts for flops. Like it was just a really weirdly called game. I, I, I really felt that it yeah. was in both ways. It sucked for both teams, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun to watch. It wasn't a good game to watch. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was two pretty bad teams. Um, but yeah. what was great was uh, with, when Maddox, Maddox did a great job on Antoine Davis, as he always does. Um, he's really, really good at defending him. Um, but then when he went down, Kevin Kangu came came in, and we haven't heard a lot sure. from Kevin Kangu in Oakland land. He's been pretty quiet since he lost the uh, starting point guard gig. But he, yeah. we, we've been told he's a great defender, and he he did a great job in Antoine. I mean, Antoine got his, but if you watch the game, it wasn't easy. He he didn't shoot well. Oh, it was a lot of free throws. No, not at all. It it was, he he had another awful game, and I I only feel somewhat bad because anytime I watch a Detroit Mercy game, whether it's Oakland or just tuning in. Antoine Davis plays terrible when I watch. So I, he's asked me not to watch anymore, but I had to watch Friday. So. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, Antoine. Um, yeah, but, you're always going to watch that game, for crying out loud. So, um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I understand that, yeah, I understand post-game. Antoine came out, Mike Davis didn't for the post-game. Yeah, so Mike Davis, I guess, it, like, you know, Campy did his post-game press conference, as he always he does. You know he's this. available. And then, I mean, all of our coaches in the league, I think, are really good about showing up to the press conference and doing their job. I guess the press sat there for like almost an hour and a half for waiting for Mike Davis before Mike Davis Jr. showed up. And if that, and that, I mean, that's just weak. Mike Davis, if you can't show up to your press, con- we've watched college players, 18, 19, 20 year old kids lose on buzzer beaters in the conference tournament and have to go sit in a press conference yeah. and answer questions. If you can't sit your ass down, after losing your rival again and answer questions to like to to local media, what are you doing? What kind of that, what does that show? Yeah, that that one that's a head scratcher to me. I really don't understand. And by the way, Antoine Davis was Antoine Davis was nine for twenty five in the game. Yeah, he got twenty six points, but he had to fight for every single one of those points. And man, he yeah again the yeah he was four for four team from beyond the arc. I mean, it, it is. 
But you, I think we brought this up last episode. When he's when he when he when he attempts more than twenty five more than twenty shots, it is not good for Detroit Mercy. Yep, it really isn't. Well, and in his defense, though, and even I'll even defend Mike Davis here. Nobody else in, for Detroit Mercy showed any interest in stay, being able to stay on the floor. You know, uh, both Miller and Brandon got in foul trouble. But outside yeah. of those guys, nobody had any interest in making shots. Calipari was cold. Marquise Moore didn't show up. Like, I, so that's in, no yeah, I mean, it, was, it was a bad game uh, for them. And again, it's one of those Detroit Mercy games where the expectation was Anton Davis is going to save us. And like er, nearly every other game this season, Guys are game planning. Teams are game planning for that, and that's what happened. Yep. And they didn't, you know. And they, they he got his points, but to the other side made it very hard for him. Very, very hard. Well, <laughs> and, as an Oakland fan, I'm hoping this game helps them turn the corner. Like they've got to build on that, and I'll believe it when I see it. But so yeah, that's one good day. And, one good day. Yeah, one good day. There you go. Um, but yeah, that oh man, that, that's ins- yeah. It's insane because Rashad Williams went seven for sixteen beyond the arc. Um, I'm still, I, I, I this, okay. This, this is, and I, I really hope this changes. I really do because Rashad Williams took seventeen shots on, uh, in the Detroit Mercy game, and sixteen of them were from three point land. All right, I, I gotta. Uh, and he went to the, of course, he went to the line 15 times too. But I don't understand this game plan for Rashad Williams. Rashad Williams, I know, can do more than shoot three pointers. I know this. Matt, you probably know this. Oh, and he got to the rim a few times. I saw, I saw those glimpses. They were great. I saw, I saw him go to the rim once. The rest of the time, he was out. He was out in the arc. Well, which, uh, you know, again, and again for Detroit, uh, for 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 Oakland, that's actually a blessing because prior to Rashad Williams, you weren't exactly getting a whole hell of a lot of productivity from from three point land. Case except uh, the exception of the case occasionally being Blake Lampin. Occasionally. But, Let's not get me started. I, I don't want to derail this whole podcast on, on that situation. So, um, but yeah, but but it, it seems like, and this is the part that, and when, when, when Rashad Williams was at Cleveland State last year, that was Dennis Felton's game plan. Just have Rashad Williams parked out in the three-point line, beyond the three-point arc, kick it out to him and hope and pray to God he actually hits a three-pointer. Now, of course, in Cleveland's in the Cleveland State situation, that was different because you had Tri-Ree Appleby running run the, uh, run the point, whereas in, in, in Oakland, you don't have that. But still, Rashad Williams is doing this exact same thing. I'm just trying to wrap my head around knowing that Rashad Williams can, in fact, shoot inside the three-point arc. He can do it. We've seen him do it. We don't see him doing it very often, but we've seen him do it. Well, Why is that happening? Why so is it happening two years in a row? I can't explain the Cleveland State side of it, although it's probably somewhat related. I can tell you why at Oakland, though. Because the, pro- the problem at Oakland, well, outside of not having a point guard, has been that the bi- with, with multiple bigs down there, even though we have the side advantage, the, the lane gets clogged. So with, with Rashad you know, parked outside there, Everybody has to come out a bit, and it, it gives the bigs more room. So they really don't want him down, though, because 
at that point, everyone can collapse. That that's really the the what it comes down to is it allows the bigs still to have more room because you can't sag off of your guard. You know, when when it was Kangu out top there who wasn't shooting well, then they were able to sag down. It's easier to double the bigs, all that. With Rashad, you can't leave him open. You can't leave Blake Lampman open. As much as I'm not a huge Blake Lampman starter, that whole story. He the kid can shoot, especially sure. open open threes when it's coming from the post. So you can't leave him open. And with two options out there, it really frees up the paint a bit more for the bigs to get theirs. So that's why Rashad is doing what he's doing for Oakland. That's what he was brought there to do. Yeah, I understand. But again, I mean, he we know he's a shooter. But I, again, you know, he he doesn't, he can't, can't we bring him closer? No. He, he can hit, he can hit a, he, he, I mean, what, what, what makes us not be able to have him, you know, in the perimeter, get have him pop off a fifteen foot shot? You don't have, a, you know, I looking at Oakland. It's basically either they're shooting from the three or they're shooting in the paint. Unless I miss something, that's what they got. No, that's that's really intentional. That's a perimeter. campy thing. That's a campy that's, thing. He hate he okay. hates the mid range game. If you're gonna it, the the it's you know, and I don't have numbers, but he he does because he spouted them before, like. What the percentage is on, on a mid-range jumper, he would rather just see it from three, where if you, you know, the actual percentage goes up from three, or he wants it down low. He hates mid-range jumpers. He'll pull players, he'll pull play. I, I think Trey Maddox gets in trouble for it all the time, you know, and he, Trey's got a pretty good pull-up mid, mid-range game. He doesn't want it. It's not a high percentage shot that he wants to see. That doesn't mean, okay. <laughs> it's a I higher percentage shot than chucking him from the arc. It really is. But the percentage of, of makes from three is higher than than the mid range make. Yeah. So at that point, you'd rather if you're gonna if your percentage is higher from three, he'd rather see you take the three and and yeah. and get three points or zero versus probably not two or zero. I guess like I mean, well, he, he's at got the end a of the day. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it worked at least for at least for Rashad Williams, it worked. Because uh, looking at the looking at the stats from the Detroit Mercy game. Todd Williams hit seven three-point. As a team, Oakland made eight. Blake Lamman was the other one who made the three-pointer. Nobody else shot a three. And nobody else besides Rashad Williams and Blake Lampman really shot a three-pointer. Brad Brechting shot a three-pointer. Uh, his shot attempted a three-pointer. I'm still scratching my head over that. I know you've mentioned that he can, does do that from time to time. It's yes. still pretty head-scratching like it, that he, he does, does. that. <laughs> he's got good range. I don't it, want him to, but he he does have some range actually. He, I mean, I th- I think Brad wishes he was a point guard. I mean, there was a stretch there when Oakland was struggling in the press, and Brad was bringing yeah. the ball up the floor. He was the press breaker, and I th- I think he, despite being a seven footer, he really just wants to be a point guard. He really does, but but you know, to be fair, he actually did have himself a pretty good game. He got a double double. He was you know, the eleven points, twelve rebounds. Um, so he can, he'll be forgiven for the he'll be forgiven for that 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 three pointer <laughs> that three pointer and he did a lot sure. of ball in foul trouble which was that was the you know that was what yeah, broke the game to to what it was was that was a closer yeah. game than the final score showed but when Brandon and Miller both fouled out that yeah. ended that, that ended everything Oakland I mean Hill Mays and, and Brechting played almost the entire game with four fouls and they, they were, really they did that. yeah they were they were foul trouble pretty early early so that, that was a that was definitely they were definitely behind the eight ball on that one. So and yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. Um, the so other yeah, they, that, so uh, and then I'll be done because I'm done talking. Was Daniel Oladapo showed up like the Daniel Oladapo that we saw earlier in the se- season? 
he showed up, which helped keep those guys out of foul trouble. And Oakland put on a better game. That, that's what it came down to. And then they beat Mercy again. And done. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, before we, because uh, I want to talk a little bit about Youngstown State too, because they're kind of an interesting situation, specifically at home. Um, we, I, you have to explain the whole transition from Grizz Talk OU to Horizon Matt. Not that I don't mind, obviously, <laughs> but it seems like that requires a little bit of explanation. <laughs> it's it's not that much. So um, I started that Twitter four or five years ago, something like that, um, trying to get more people to post on the Grizz Talk OU message board. That's where they, the idea, and I don't run that, but I was just trying to get more people talking Oakland basketball. Sure. Um, and then Oakland Twitter kept getting bigger and bigger. And um, I stopped posting on the message board for over a year because I got annoyed with Oakland fans. Oakland fans love the sunny side of things. And when you don't have something nice to say, you shouldn't say it at all. And these are just kids and blah. And I, I you know, what? I just, I wasn't there for it. And I'd had enough, be, you know, being called out as a fan, like I'm a bad fan and I had enough. So I stopped posting there, but I still had the Twitter and you know, that was great. Um, and then a couple you know, within the past couple of weeks, this team's been playing incredibly poorly and I'm going to say they've been calling playing poorly and point out what I think. And I always say I'm a dumb fan. And I mean that what I say shouldn't matter, but I got sick of Oakland fans, you know, coming after me, like I'm a bad fan again. And I just said, okay, well now I'll just be a fan. So I'm trying more and more to be, a big time horizon fan. And so I just changed the handle. There's no reason for me to support a message board. I don't post on a whole lot anymore and sure. I don't need to just be an Oakland fan because I don't really care for the way Oakland fans view things. They, it's a small mind thing. And I, I don't want to be a mid major. I don't want to treat everything like a mid major and it's a mid major mindset of these are just kids when things are going bad and blah, like, no, no, no. If these kids on division one scholarships can't handle a stupid fan on Twitter calling, you know, saying that they're playing poorly, then that's half the problem. That's my opinion on it. And a lot of people don't agree and that's fine. So I just figured I would remove myself from Oakland fandom and just be a Horizon fan. There you go. So there it is. There it is. There it is. So, um, so, so here we go. Matt Dudek, uh, Horizon League free agent fan. There you I go. didn't <laughs> enter the portal, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, just trying to be a bit more neutral and embrace even more of the horizon roundtable side of things and try to watch more games outside of Oakland. Although I'll always be an Oakland fan first. Yes. Well, there you go. Um, so that, by the way, I want to clarify something because uh, I want to clarify something because apparently there seems to be a bit of a confusion here. Um, and I don't understand it. I am a Cleveland state fan. Okay. Period. Yeah. I've been a Cleveland state fan the whole freaking time. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that because there seemed to be a little bit of confusion on that one by a couple people at least. No, Irving Cleveland State. I've been doing that. I'm one of the few people who do. There are three. There are maybe three people who actually tweet about Cleveland State during actual games. Me, Phil Daniels, and Tom Muskowski. That's generally it. I wouldn't know that Tom's tweeting because he blocked me because he didn't like what I had to say. You know, and, and see that 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 troubles me. Just fun, again, totally troubling because well, actually, that's pretty hilarious because again, I think, and we've talked about this before. I've said way worse things to him, way worse things, and you still, skin with me. I don't know why me. he followed me, and that's fine. I still follow him because you know why not. Um, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, he doesn't follow me anymore. He didn't block me, but yeah. Oh, I got the whatever. block. You got the block. 
You must have, yeah, I think we are. I think, yeah, so, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lobby to get you on block. Sorry, no, man. I, 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 I just I, don't you know, care. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Tom hates me too. So I'm Tom does that. In my experience, Tom never provided anything new. He was really just kind of calling play-by-play -play of the game through Twitter five minutes behind. Like, didn't really help me much, so it's fine. Actually, he's ahead of me because I'm watching ESPN Plus, and apparently there's like a 30 to 60 second delay. So, yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm not going to get on for that. <laughs> I, that's actually fine for me. I'm, I'm good with that. Nobody else is doing it at Cleveland State. He might as well. Shit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so – so I wanted to close. Yeah, so I just wanted to clear that confusion up because apparently there seems to be a couple people who think that you know I'm not I'm something other than a Golden State fan. Yeah, I am. It may not seem like it sometimes, but I am. So you know, learn to pay attention, people. Um, but I wanted to talk about Youngstown State. Youngstown State. Um, the the House of Heart Attacks lived up its name. On Thursday at the, against UIC, as I knew it would. Uh, um, thankfully, they turned around and beat IUPUI by considerably more, so they didn't have to wait for a last second shot. It is IUPUI. That we gotta start talking. And uh, you know, as good at, you know as as young. The big challenge for Youngstown State, obviously, is going to be the on the road because they're not a great road team. In fact, I think they maybe won they won like maybe two games in on the road in non conference. Maybe um, that winning on the road has not been their forte over the last you know, in in the in the Jared Calhoun era. I mean, they can win in the they can win in, win at home, which is an upgrade from Jerry Slocum era. But you know, I, I think their big thing is they got to get over that hump. Um, so, but they won't have to worry about it next week because they're playing Cleveland State. But the big uh, for well, on the flip side with IUPUI, it, it's they got swept. Oh. So, Cleveland State basically, yeah, we we talked about how unsustainable Marcus Burke and Jalen Minette going off for 70 points apiece. Um, you knew that wasn't sustainable. Cleveland State exposed that and basically neutralized both of them and won that game. And they couldn't get anything going against Youngstown State. So we're, we're kind of at a point with, with IUPUI where they really start have to think uh, they should really start thinking about next season. Um, they really need to also start thinking about who's going to coach this team next season because uh, I don't think it's going to be Byron Rim. He's in the room, but I don't think he's going to be, they're not going to get into it. It's, it's, it seems more apparent now that he's probably not going to be not going to get the full-time job. The problem is then you're essentially starting over again. You know, like you got to build continuity same, at some point. I understand that, but at the same time, I mean, well, well, and if you think about it, but they were never going. But at the same time, if you look at kind of where IUPUI is at, where they're at in terms of who is going to be back next year and what they're going to be working with, does it matter? And I don't know if it actually. And let's be honest, I don't think it's going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference. Because I think once you had 
once you had Cameron Justice, he wasn't going to be around next year anyway. But if you look at next year for IUPUI, you still have Jalen. You've got Jalen in that first senior year. You have. You still have Mar- Marcus Burke, senior. He's gonna be. He's gonna be a senior next year. Grant Weatherford is gonna be a senior next year. Eli- they have Elijah Goss, who is who is aver- who is the only uh, who is actually the only Horizon League player averaging double figures. Um. You know, double figures in the double figure in the in the Horizon League in rebounds. All those guys are coming back. So whoever takes over, and I don't think it's going to be, I really don't think it's going to be Byron Rim and Mike DePersia. You know, I think he's he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a good guard in this league um, as well. So you have that kind of foundation coming back next year. I really think that they'll actually do much better next year if they get the right coach in. Or does the coach leaving give all those kids an excuse to go take that that transfer and you know go try to go big time when you know your your Burks and your Minettes and all that? Like the the problem with yeah, we'll see. The problem with Burke uh, Burke might grad transfer. I just thought of that. Burke might trans grad transfer because he had to sit out of the year because he was a Campbell. That's the only thing I could think of. I don't know if anybody else. I mean, again, it depends on the coach. It depends on who's going to be the coach next year. I really do. If it's the right coach, then maybe we can have the conversation about these guys being back. And I do think there is a possibility of all these guys coming back. There's absolutely a possibility. Is, I mean, is there it, a possibility that they don't? Yeah, of course. Is there I mean, a possibility Cameron, that they like Rim and they want him to stay, and that's what keeps those players there? Maybe. Uh, uh, maybe, but I mean, as far as the, as far as the, but it always comes down to wins and losses. And as far as we, as we have seen, it, it hasn't gone very well for them in terms right. of that. So I don't think that, you know, it, it's going to be a senior laden team next year. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of seniors on this team. So when you look at that, you think, you know, Somebody, whoever's coming in, there, there is a good possibility that they're gonna get, um, they're gonna get a lot of production out of these guys. And I think IUPUI next year is infinitely better than they were this year, especially with the pl- uh, pieces in place that they have now. Again, if they have the right coach in, I don't think Byron Rim is the guy. I think uh, Byron Rim was kind of put in the situation, a no-win situation. And he's just making the best of what he's got. Honestly, so that's my opinion on it. Um, by the way, I'm, uh, I want to circle back to Detroit Mercy because I'm glad you reminded me of this. Um, there's a little bit of confusion with Detroit Mercy at the moment. Are they eligible for the conference tournament? I guess not because I trust Tony Paul and Tony Paul was talking to Detroit Mercy officials and said, we have not been told that we are eligible. Which is interesting because Mike Davis himself actually said – Oh, did he said it? I'm trying to remember where he said it on the radio. Uh, where he said it? It was in a post game, the, I think. It was in a post game. Okay, that's when he actually you know shows up for post games. Apparently, he says things like that. So maybe that's, that's why he didn't show up to the Oakland post game. They thought he'd say something that wasn't accurate. Okay, um, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and he was he was probably in a bad mood. So he obviously didn't make. Yeah, because Don Owen, Don Owen from the Northern Kentucky Tribune, he's the guy who broke the story. 
um, because it was the first time anybody heard about it. And then fast forward to Tony Paul saying, no, that's not the case. So we were like, well, maybe Don Owen is wrong. And he's like, Don Owen actually came back at us and said, well, ask Mike Davis. I'm like, well, okay. Well, we would have loved to have asked Mike Davis, but he didn't show up to the post game. <laughs> Oops. Because <laughs> Carrick okay. was there, I believe. Yeah. Carrick yeah, so, was there. So we could have asked, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess the mystery continues. Are they or aren't they? I don't know. Carrick made Greg Campy laugh. It's it's actually worth checking out the the uh, Campy's press game or post game from that the presser. Carrick made him laugh. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, uh, yeah. That just wanted to throw that blurb in there. So next week, um, so we'll be back. Uh, next week we'll have, uh, like I said, we'll have uh, Mark Forden from uh, Numbers Don't Lie. Uh, the, in Chicago, we'll have him on there. We'll have him on. Uh, two weeks from now, we're going to have Todd Buckingham back uh, at Major underscore Mid. He'll be back because he's uh, clearly the neutral party. And because, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I also wanted to make one last thing. Um, I know one last mention of uh, one last programming note. Um, Matt, I know you're going to be the month of the month of March. You will be actually uh, traveling. You'll be traveling around the country. At least I think you are. Yes. Um, and will not be available uh, and will actually be off, off the podcast for the month of March, which will be sad because, you know, that's all, like, all like, my fans will be so time. sad. But it'll be however, okay. I, I, sh- I will point out um, uh, as as we are making it an annual tradition, March 1st, uh, the week of March 1st, uh, we're going to have Jimmy Lemke back and we're going to talk about the all conference team. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that myself, obviously. Um so you don't want so you don't want to miss anything that's coming up here. So uh, until that point in time, you can listen to all episodes of the podcast on HorizonRoundtable.com. We're still working. Uh, the whole Horizon Game Night thing has not worked out so well, but that's kind of a technical difficulty thing. We'll we'll work on that. But um, but the podcast is always on HorizonRoundtable.com and on any uh, and on all podcast. Uh, <clears throat> all podcast apps at this point in time and you can still pull it up on your uh amazon echo or your uh, google home device so uh that's gonna do it for us and uh thanks for listening